is my uh, beautiful backyard. Leaves are not changing yet. Still green. What's up, buddy boy? What's happening? What's Nothing, happening? Man, you said you talking about leaves changing. Please. Yeah. I can still no, walk I, outside with no jacket on, no sweater, nothing. And even at Texas, night sometimes. I'm in <laughs> I, I, on my walk today, I, know, I saw a I got to get you down here. I told you I got, I, I told you I scoped out all the Mexican uh, joints. I got you. Okay, I know you do. What should I order? Um, It depends. What do you like? Do you like enchiladas, burritos, tacos? Chimichangas. I do not. Like, I do not like enchiladas. Here's here's my two favorite things. I love burritos. Okay. And I have uh, I've been getting into botanas. Okay. And botanas is sort of like a nacho, but it's got different vegetables in it and has sausage in it. So I love those too. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna find a place down here that serves that. What is it called, Verona? No, no. Uh, it is now. You made me forget. No, it's uh, Boitano. Oh, Boitano. Boitano. Sorry, Boitano. Okay. It's sort of like a nacho. In fact, on the page where it says nachos, underneath mm-hmm. it, it's gonna say Boitano too. Okay. So try. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. Okay. I'm gonna check it out today too. So I was thinking about okay. getting some uh, Mexican food. So I'll check it out. Damn! Throw it in my face. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing research for you, bro. Research. Cool. That's all. <laughs> I, I, um, I did a tweet a few minutes ago that I am disappointed in the Detroit sports media. I don't think they put nearly enough heat on Matt Patricia. I think after a while, when you have shown you're not the right guy for a job, it's up to us or it's up to the media to point this out and say, hey, look, what's happening here? There, there needs to be some change. Or there at least needs to be some discussion of change here. And I don't think there's been enough discussion about replacing Patricia or replacing Quinn. I, I still think that people are giving them, giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, why? Why give them the benefit of the doubt? Why make Lions fans suffer through another season of losing? Now, if the Lions, which could very possibly happen because the Lions do stuff like this, rally and and uh finish seven and nine or something like that or eight and eight guess what they're coming back next season and you know and once again uh uh quinn told us nine and seven is not good enough he'll let he'll let uh matt patricia go through another seven and nine or six and no maybe not six and ten but he'll let him go through a seven and nine season and bring his ass back next year because that's sort of what the Lions do. Mediocrity is fine for them. Because once the pandemic is over, they know people will come back. People will watch them on TV. People will buy their Lions t-shirts and sweatshirts. They'll be right back. And uh, there is no punishment for the Forge to finish 3-12-1. Um, before this season, I thought maybe people would be fed up with the Lions. Uh, you have to understand, they've gone through 0-16. Hmm. They've gone through one playoff win no. since 1957. Mm-hmm. And then a 3-12-1 season last year. So I, I pointed out 
what what do you guys why do you guys believe in this team? I don't fault you for cheering them on, but why do you believe this is always going to be the year? They've proven it's not. And you know, people say, leave my team alone. This is my team, damn it. Uh, you know, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. Here is the flimsiest reason I was given why the Lions are going to have a good season this year. Because 2020 has been such a weird year, so why not the Lions? They're still a bad team. They still have bad coaching. They still have bad ownership. They still have bad management. Why is the year 2020 going to change that until an 11-5 or 10-6 season? It made absolutely no sense. I'm going to say it again. Barack Obama won on hope. Uh, we <laughs> you can't kill your hope. Okay. They got Barack Obama. You, you touched it. You, you said it, though, T. Here's the issue. They might go one and six or one and seven and then go eight and no to finish eight and eight or you know they might start you know two and five and they end up you know like it the if if they get closer the closer they get to that eight and eight mark or that seven and nine mark regardless if you know they had a good first half or or a good second half um us as fans we're so eager to to have some kind of success we we take that that's where we're at right now or where we've been we accept that and that's been the problem you know we start out five and two and then go one and you know eight the rest of the way one and nine the rest of the way like it's 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 crazy uh but that's been the mo and it's been acceptable so you're right it's it's the difference between and, I, and I, the past 25 years, the Cowboys have been somewhat of the same way. They, they've won some playoff games. They've gotten a little further, but they haven't won the Super Bowl since 95. And the difference that I could point to um, is, is ownership, is Jerry Jones wants to win. Now, he gets in the way, but they are in a position or at least seemingly more successful because of the things that he he does and what he tolerates and won't tolerate. I don't see that from the ownership, from the Ford family. There's a lot of uh, passiveness. There's a lot of excuses. And, and even when we get the explanation of from, from, from Quinn that uh, a, a seven and nine is not acceptable, but then we get like when we get a seven and nine season, if we get a seven and nine season, but when we get a seven and nine season, it's going to be fuel for that coach or that coaching staff to stay on to see what they could do next. So a lot of time that that message is inconsistent. And that's what I see in the Detroit Lions organization. Now they it's said nine and seven wasn't good enough. Not not seven and nine, but nine and seven wasn't good they'll enough. They'll take seven and nine. <laughs> here, I know. Here, and here, that's here. what I'm saying. They lost the players. They had mm-hmm. something building. They were building up. And I think oh, yeah. two years ago, they're on the on the cusp of, of making the playoffs and, and winning a playoff game. So I mean they did make the playoffs, but actually winning the game. Here here was the problem under Caldwell, and I acknowledge this. I thought he was a good coach, but his game management was awful. He would just try, you know, he would say, you know, I've, I've coached a pretty good game. Let me give it away the last five minutes. 
But the reason I was fearful of them firing him was because I didn't think that team was that good. Uh, I didn't think the players were that good. But these dudes would go through a brick wall for Jim Caldwell. Now you're not even giving the team the opportunity to screw up in the last five minutes. I guess you, you did in the Chicago Bears game. But now they're just getting – just beat every game because I don't think this team has the same passion for football that they did under Jim Caldwell. Uh, I agree. That, that's that's a problem. Yeah, it's a big Somehow. problem. I agree. I agree. When you lose, one thing that I look at and watch <clears throat> when I look at teams, I look at how they perform for their coach. I look at how, regardless of the scheming, regardless of of of, of the play calling, um, I look at do they go out? Do they play the game? You know, do they uh, fight? You know, and and and. Um, and not that you have to give your coach high fives or even, um, you know, uh, act as if he's a locker room mate or teammate. Um, I do look at the relationship when you come off the field uh, and how they interact. And um, it's just not there for me. I don't see it. I think the players don't respect him. I think they understand um, that he is a clone and and they're not going to respond for somebody. They're not going to willingly go out and risk their careers over someone who is going to be temporary in the back of their minds. Right. Yeah, probably. But um, also, uh, you know, I, I just think the scheme, the, the defensive scheme is so messed up that players don't want to be passive. Uh, in my dealings with football, college football and NFL, I talk to guys from the offensive side of the ball, defensive side. The defensive side, all those dudes are monsters. They're crazy. They talk more, except for the wide receivers, but they talk more. They, they feel that they can kill people. And then when you tell them we're going to play a passive scheme, I'm sure they're like, what am I doing here? I want to be aggressive. I want to attack that quarterback. I want and, – and here's the other thing the Lions used to do. Uh, John Tierlink was a defensive line coach. Every time a player sacked a quarterback, that quarterback mugshot will go on their locker room or their mm-hmm. locker stall. So you would mm-hmm. have like uh, maybe Robert Porsche or somebody that had Brett Favre three times over there because he sacked him three times, and you'd have mm-hmm. – a bunch of other guys, and they love that. That meant yeah. a lot to them because we got to the quarterback, we did something, and you're acknowledging that every every time I walk into this locker room, I see Brett Favre's face up there because I cracked his ass. Yeah. Yep. Now they get a sack like every other game or once a game, and it's just not the same. And and so again, that was, that's great. It's all, you know, it's, it's, you know, even though they're pros, you still got to motivate your players. You got to find a way to push their buttons. And as a coach, as a coach, I think, you know, it's your job. It's incumbent to get the best out of each and every player that you have, uh, whether they're the first man or the last man. And because and, because that strengthens the team as a whole, you're only as strong as your weakest link. 
And, and there has to be a culture there and you have to have healthy competition, um, within, within each other, a healthy competition just strengthens everyone, um, you know, overall. And, but, but I think it's, it's, again, I, it's a personal thing. Some, some, Coaches and players respond differently in certain situations. But if it was up to me, that's one thing. You got to make it fun for the player. It's a game. I think people forget. Like, you're supposed to be out there. And and and, and conversely, people get upset sometimes when you smile a little bit too much. Or if you look like you're having too much fun. You look at Cam Newton, I think people don't really like Cam because of the way he celebrates. But this, But that has nothing to do with the game. Cam is a all pro, and if and, and if you and if you want to watch somebody this year, watch what they do and watch how much he progresses over the year. New England, here's the difference with the Patriots: they'll take that loss because later down the line they're going to win that game. They're going to take their notes. They're going to do everything and look at every possibility and scenario, and, and do what's best for their team. Regardless if it's Cam running the ball or passing the ball, one thing I can say: watching Cam pass the ball over this past weekend, completely different player. That ball is on a tight spiral. His balls used to wobble. They would be—he was wildly inconsistent at times. This week, I ain't see any of that, and this is only the second week. So, moving forward, that's a testament to coaching. You have to take your players' weaknesses and minimize those and then work on their strengths and, and, um, and make it fun, you know, keep it. Yeah. They're letting cam be cam. He's not, not being cam, but they're, but, but what you see too is that cam is becoming already a better football player in my opinion. Right. Well, see, I saw, I saw an interesting video for athletes, the difference between working hard and competing. Yes. For instance, uh, if, if you yeah. had, let's say your coach told you to do a line drill, run up and down mm-hmm. the court by yourself, that's working mm-hmm. hard. Now, mm-hmm. if he puts two or three other dudes next to you and say, let's race, that's competing. So right. there's a difference between competing and working hard. And I think New England, they compete. That's right. Teams like the Lions, they may work hard. But mm-hmm. – um, but Belichick knows he doesn't have to come out like a dragon. He doesn't have to come out on fire. Do you know that New England under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they just have a little bit over a 500 record in September. They take off in October, November, December. That's when they do that. And when it's time to really show, you know, when it's time to win, when it's time to make the playoffs, when it's time to compete for a championship, that's when they show up. Detroit Lions, they're still in the men mindset. We just want to win football games. That doesn't do anything for me. Don't when learn. Championships. Don't, don't learn from game to game. It's game to the game. <clears throat> I watch New England's body language walking off of that game. They're like, okay, well, we got this. Like, as bad of a play as that was for the game winner, um, 
the what they learn from that is going to be better for them throughout the season. It's going to play better for them. So they will take that loss. Now, I mean, not they'll take it, but they, you know, they were going to learn from it. They're going to gain from that loss. Um, you know, consistent bad teams, um, you know, it's 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 management and 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 it's coaching and and what happens in bad places when you get a good coach that comes in there they're usually choked out even they may you know have a reputation um and they may be good somewhere else but it's hard to it's hard to be a cog in a system and change the system when you're such a small piece um you know then you then it almost comes across as if you're being divisive uh, and that's if you're not the head coach, like if you're an assistant coach or a line coach or a player, uh, there's a lot of insubordination there that that can be questioned. But again, it's just who that person is. And and I point back to like Barry Sanders and Megatron. You know, we had two of the best ever in their positions and they saw the writing on the wall and shut it down. So those are two indictments on the on the on the team. But that points to you know, what really goes on. The players don't have a word. They, I mean, players as great as they are for them to stop doing what they're doing at the best, being the best. That's tough. (laughs) That's hard. We haven't seen that anywhere. And the Detroit Lions have two. The Detroit Lions had 24 years of Billy Sims, Barry Sanders, and Megatron. 24 years. They won one playoff game in those 24 That's years. Crazy. That's an indictment right there, brother. Man. Yeah. Another thing, so you know what? Barry and Megatron, they did leave in the prime of their careers because they say, you know, we can't win here. But I'm going to fault both of them from this standpoint. They weren't guys that said, you know what? Put the team on my shoulder. I'm going to do everything I can for us to win. They were more of, I'm going to show you what I can do. Um, Follow me, but not get on my shoulder. And that, that would be my fault or criticism of both Barry Sanders and uh, Calvin Johnson. I just think I didn't think they were those kind of guys that were like, all right, I'm going to go down here. I'm going to bust the store down. I'm going to bust the other team's ass. And we're going to win. We're going to walk off this field as a winner. I, I didn't see that in them. Yeah, I think their their demeanors, their personalities don't come off that way. Uh, personal, you know, when they speak, they're soft-spoken. Um, in person, in, in, in public settings, they're uh, more quiet. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can see that, you know, a lot of guys, you know, aren't attracted uh, to that, they didn't have any nonsense off the court. Um, you know, they were more reclusive in that sense. Uh, they just showed up to work <clears throat> and did their job. And and that's what we ask of athletes and pros, to show up and do your job. Anything else, take care of yourself. That is on the coach to motivate uh, or to get the rest of the team to rally around a player who may be more stoic. Yes, Megatron could have been a little bit more vocal. Yes, Barry could have been a little bit more vocal, but I think, you know, their personalities fit and their psyche fit for them to be the demonstrative monsters on the field, 
you know, that they were. So uh, I, it, it's hard for me to say because it, I do know players who are like that but aren't demonstrative and won't command the locker room. But I don't fault the player because that's just their personality. Now you do have to step out of that. I do think that at times, uh, you know, they could have called a team meeting or at times before a game um, when they felt that they needed to give a push for the other players or other teams or when they needed to hear have their vo- voice heard. Um, maybe they should have did that more often. But ultimately, you know, that's an individual thing. And collectively, that's a coach thing. Right. Who was who who one or two guys that you played with who had the mentality, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to kick this team's ass. I'm going to carry you. If you're not with me, I will beat your ass afterwards. Do you, you have uh, one or two guys who are kind of like that? Well, the first one to come to mind is Jalen Rose. All right. Jalen definitely was like that, but that's why that's my brother. I loved it. We had the same. See, here's the misconception, right? This is what I tell people all the time when we had these discussions, just like when you talk about me running the point, Jalen and I were like this, like, or not were, are like this. So since day one, so my point of view, because they wanted me to play point was let Jalen play point because from that standpoint, we have an automatic mismatch every game. So we could play off the mismatch. That was my thought, not Fisher's, not Jalen's. They came to me and I said, I don't want to run point. I will, which I did in critical moments late in the game, go back and look at the film. I ran the point. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, um, you know, that that was the role. And that's what we, uh, we needed that because Jalen is boisterous. Jalen... Um, you know, he's going to be in your face. He's not going to back down. He's going to chirp. He's going to talk. That's what we wanted. That's what we needed. And then to put Chris in the, and to and to have him as, you know, the, the muscle in the middle um, and the physical presence, it, that's why we encourage him every time. Every time you dunk that ball, swing on the rim as long as you can, as hard as you can, yell as, as loud as you can, be like Moses Scurry out there but then you got Juwan Howard Juwan isn't demonstrative like that he is more of the I'm gonna show you I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you in the game with with my game with my footwork so we had all the components and we knew that that's why we pushed Jalen out there at the point and that's why we had Webb in the center and as the anchor as the muscle you know we were aware of that and 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 that's a you know well not everybody thinks that way. We were just ahead of the time. But it is a real thing. It is a real thing, and it affects. Uh, so it's your, fault, it's your fault that Chris Weber would gorilla dunk on a five foot ten white guy and swing in front of him and start going, yes. I'm yes. like, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> yes, because it wasn't 5'10 white boys he was always dunking on. I seen him dunk on some seven foot black boys, too. That were yeah, athletic. but it was a lot of times it'd be somebody from South Dakota State, some poor little five ten <laughs> white guy. He doesn't know. He's just thrilled to be 
He wants to get autographs <laughs> after the game and Chris is swinging on the rim in front of him. Cool, baby. And <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't right, man. Stop it. That was not Christopher right. Macy Edward Weber. I'm sorry, Christopher. Yeah, Christopher Macy. No, I'm sorry, Macy Christopher Edward. I'm sorry, his first name is Macy, not Chris. Macy okay. Christopher Edward Weber. Um, yeah, I think it was that, just Macy. You should not just Macy. Okay, uh, all right. That's I think we're wrong. done for the day. Enjoy your weekend. Go <laughs> get too. that Mexican food and enjoy it. Don't I'm forget, to go. boys. Boy Tana, Boy, try that. Tana. You like it. Yeah. I got it. Boy Tana. too, man. You look like you use a drink. All right. I'm going to give me some uh, tequila. All right. NRMstreamcast.com. Everybody chill out. Enjoy your weekend. Go vote. Jeez.